You're listening to the Harris Beach Podcast, a show that explores evolving issues in the law and how they shape organizations, the way business is conducted, and how we live and work. The information provided in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials are for general informational purposes only. Thanks for listening. Here's today's host. 2022 marks the 50th anniversary of the Hispanic National Bar Association, an organization that advocates for Hispanic attorneys, judges, law professors, legal assistants, law students, and other legal professionals in the United States and its territories through education, programs, professional development, and scholarships. The mission of the association goes beyond the law to address issues of importance to the Hispanic community at large. Over the past 50 years, the HNBA has grown to become more than 67,000 members strong. One of its main missions is to support the recruitment, retention, and elevation of Hispanic individuals in law schools, law firms, corporations, the judiciary, and government. Hispanic representation in the bar is an area where the nation lags. Of the 1.3 million lawyers in the United States, only about 6% are Hispanic, while Hispanics make up more, almost 20% of the entire U.S. population. Two lawyers from Harris Beach recently attended the annual convention of the Hispanic National Bar Association in Washington, D.C. Senior counsel Jessica Molinares, Kalpakis, and associate Christine Vasconcelos joined members in networking, attending education sessions, and helping celebrate the association's 50 years. On today's episode of the Harris Beach Podcast, we talk with Jessica and Christine about what they learned at the convention and what they see as the major issues for making the law profession more inclusive. We also chat about what's new in their respective legal practice areas. Jessica, Christine, um, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having us, Ben. Thank you so much for having us. Before we dig in, I'd like to both give you the chance to introduce yourselves and talk about your journeys in the legal profession a little bit. How and why did you become attorneys and how did your careers lead you to Harris Beach? And what types of law do you practice and what's new and exciting in your particular areas right now? Jessica, you want to start with you? Sure. Thank you. So my name is Jessica Molinaris Kalpakis. I am a 2004 graduate of Brooklyn Law School. I, uh, the majority of my career has been really um, in government. I spent over 11 years with the New York City uh, Corporation Council uh, Corporation Council's office. And I most recently served as the Chief Deputy County Attorney for Nassau County under the Laura Curran administration. Um, I've also had uh, a previous uh, experience in private practice where I defended medical malpractice actions. I recently joined Harris Beach in January of 2022, and I am part of the Mass Tort and Industry-Wide Litigation Practice Group. And uh, my name is Christine Vasconcelos. I'm an associate in the Medical and Life Sciences Practice Group. I've been with Harris Beach since 2015. I started as a paralegal. And before attending law school, I earned master's degrees in pharmaceutical and forensic sciences. I've always gravitated towards the intersection between science and law. So working with the medical and life sciences team at Harris Beach felt like a natural fit. I attended CUNY uh, School of, of Law, primarily working um, full-time and attending school on evenings, um, and up until uh, becoming um, an attorney, I was working also as a, as a law clerk at Harris Beach, so I've taken on various roles at the firm. 
Well, great. It sounds like you both have your have your hands full. Just to get into the to the subject here today, uh, tell us a little bit about why you decided to attend the the uh, uh, Hispanic National Bar Association conference, and what types of things did you learn? Uh, Christine, you want to start? Sure. Well, I attended the Corporate Council Convention in New Orleans, and I was truly inspired. It was my first event as an, an attorney, met so many wonderful individuals, and so I was thrilled to attend the, the annual conference, meet even more um, members of the you know, organization, and it was uh, truly very inspiring to be surrounded by so many individuals in the profession from private practice to government um, to in-house counsel, and it was truly um, uplifting experience. Great. And Jessica, how about you? Sure. So I'm very appreciative to have her speech uh, for the opportunity to attend the Hispanic National Bar Conference. Um, it was especially poignant since it is the 50th um, anniversary of the Bar Association. So it was a really big, uh, large celebration. There were attorneys from all over the country. Um, it was an absolutely wonderful experience to meet my my you know Hispanic counterparts on a national level um, and meet with attorneys from different regions, different areas, different practice groups, yet we all bond over that same, uh, you know, the, the underlying cultural experiences that do bond us. Um, so overall, I felt that the uh, Hispanic Bar, National Bar Association was a wonderful opportunity just to network and meet some other Hispanic attorneys from the country. Hmm, I see. Sounds like, um, sounds like a really good uh, time, uh, time well spent, I would, is what I'm trying to say. Um, what did you, were there some particular themes that you picked up on at the conference and did you come away feeling like there were some particular initiatives that you would like to get involved in, or you would think that a firm like ours should be involved in? I definitely think that there were a couple of recurring themes and, and Christine and I have discussed it even during the, the conference because we did come away with the same impression. One major theme was definitely, um, the need to increase um, advancement of the Hispanic attorneys within in the legal profession. So really it's a question of increasing representation, but also a question of retention, right? And advancement for the attorneys in the profession. Um, you know, diversify more senior management, um, senior attorneys, um, leaders in law uh, to be more representative of the community as a whole. I would say the second um, area that we definitely saw as a recurring theme, um, especially post-COVID, was the issue of really mental health um, and how to best address mental health issues, particularly in light of COVID or post-COVID, in with the undertones of the cultural pressures that um, Latinos as a whole tend to face um, with respect to just seeking help, seeking professional help, or maybe just taking more time uh, for themselves in order to better themselves as a whole, given the pressures of the profession and just given other pressures as well. We heard a lot about the psychological impact of COVID on the legal profession and uh, other professions as well. Were there certain factors that made dealing with COVID more intense for the Hispanic bar? Absolutely. So, you know, I would think that, and it was this, this was generally the discussion at the conference was, you know, culturally, um, and I know I'm being a little broad here, but, you know, it's not generally, 
you know, seeking help or seeking outside help of a professional help outside of your immediate family or your immediate confidence, confidants is, is, you know, not really the norm in Hispanic culture. Mm -hmm. You know, you have an issue, you kind of plow through it, you work through it. Maybe you talk to your mom, maybe you talk to your priest, maybe you talk to a sibling, but you know, you try to work it out. So this concept of taking a step back, seeking professional help if needed, or just confiding and, you know, expanding your circle, um, is definitely something that is a little bit contrary to like the cultural norm, but, you know, we're in changing times and, and we definitely have been through, uh, you know, very, uh, very challenging times as well. Yeah, I can see how that would be, a, a um, you know, a, an intensified issue because attorneys in general, I think, are viewed as having it all together and, you know, a recognition in our profession that that isn't always the case, that there's a lot of lot of stress to be had. So when it's there's a cultural element, I'm sure that makes it even harder. Absolutely. And that was definitely a, a, a really that was definitely an, a recurring theme. Um, and there were a couple of actually discussions at the conference about it just on this point alone. Very interesting. Very interesting. Christine, how about how about you? What things struck you? Well, a commitment also to to advocacy, you know, being aware of, you know, the changes in, in laws and you know, how it's affecting the, the community and, and how to get involved and get ahead of it and to fight for quality equity, regardless of whether you're, you know, in private practice, what, whatever, to, to be involved and, and support the mission. I see. It sounds like, sounds like on both fronts, even though there were some serious issues being talked about, there was a, an uplifting element or where, you know, it's good to know that you're all in this together, you know, that there's other people out there who are experiencing some of the same challenges. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious to know where, uh, you know, how much of the discussions or were you able to participate in discussions about efforts to increase um, Hispanic representation in the profession? Could you talk a little bit about some of the things that HMBA is doing to affect that change and what you see as some of the um, the imperatives um, to, to for uh, the profession to do a better job at that? I just want to talk about, you know, increasing if you're in the private um, private sector, to you know, increase equity partners, equity partnership, and even clients are taking you know uh, uh, steps to ensure that not only that a firm is um, in inclusive and diverse, and that their teams are inclusive and diverse, and you know that diverse uh, lawyers are getting you know origination credit, and you know because to just be working on a case where you're not getting credit, then you're not going to be getting the benefits. So there's definitely efforts on increasing um, equity partners and general counsel getting uh, that push for more representative leadership, as Jessica had mentioned previously. I see. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I've been hearing a little bit about uh, general counsel being a little bit more insistent on showing those types of those types of, of um, accomplishments, if, if you will. Um, Jessica, how about, how about you? Were there any discussions that you participated in, in terms of representation? Absolutely. So the Hispanic National Bar is very committed um, to the younger generations as well, and guiding and mentoring our, our law students, our junior generations of attorneys, I should say, uh, future attorneys. So for example, um, there were two well, there were two efforts. One effort was really just the discussion and the 
emphasis on the role of mentors um, for the junior attorneys and that, you know, especially coming from the perspective of many of the attorneys may be perhaps first generation Americans or, you know, coming from different backgrounds. And they really do need like that that mentor to help guide them, right? Whether it be firm culture or even in, in public, in the public sector, just the mentor to really help guide their path and, and promote their experiences and, and, and challenge them and urge them to take on new work and try different things, particularly in the private sector, you know, the, the, the practical issues of billing and how to bill appropriately and how to bill, you know, properly and, business development issues and things that are not necessarily second nature, especially to someone who doesn't have experience in it. Um, another topic that we discussed uh, that that's a real um, factor for the HMBA was really the role of mentors as a whole. So with respect to the conference, we actually had, it was a like a, almost like a speed mentor mock interview where there was this conference room filled with about 300 different uh, people, probably about 150 mentors and 150 students. And you would have about like seven to eight minutes per student. And you would conduct these like mock, mock interviews as well as just like conversations where the students had an opportunity just to ask you about yourself and ask you some advice for their own personal goals. Um, it was really well attended. It was a really popular event. And from the feedback from the students, it sounded like they really got a lot of positive feedback and really enjoyed uh, the program. Uh Sure. It sounds like a great, great exercise. Also sounds a little intimidating sitting in my chair right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was very loud. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But a great experience for them. That's that's wonderful. I, I may have interrupted. Was there anything else that you wanted to mention in terms of um, uh, that the representation question? No, the, I mean, the HNBA is absolutely committed to the representation and the, and promoting representation in the profession. And they're definitely making a great strides in that area. Okay, great. I, you know, I think the corollary question is from your perspective and you're, you know, you're bringing your own experiences into this, but what do you see as some of the major obstacles for the profession in terms of attracting and advancing, you know, as we talked about getting, making sure that attorneys of color are, are, are handling, getting that origination credit, handling um, matters of, of importance. Um, what, what's, what's stopping the profession, do you think? So I would say that there, it's really a two-prong um, analysis, really. It's not only the retention, but it's the, excuse me, it's not only the recruitment, but it's the retention, right? So, you know, you see a lot of efforts being made on recruitment, but do you retain this talent, right? And how do you retain the talent? That's through initiatives. Um, that's through mentorship, through support, um, advancement. Um, and again, I think this ties this ties significantly to the mentor mentorship aspect of it. Oftentimes, um, a junior attorney just needs some guidance in how to navigate and how to best position themselves um, to get the best experiences to you know to to meet the criteria that's needed uh, you know to be recognized and for advancement. I definitely think they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Okay, Christine, thoughts from you? Absolutely, just learning how to to build connections and to. Approach of a potential client. It looked might look a little different depending on you know your your cultural background, how you go about you know reaching re making that connection and, and reaching out. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Um, so you've got the sense though that firms are are hearing that message, or at least starting to hear that message more loudly than they have in the past, perhaps. Absolutely. 
All right. And and in terms of your own experiences, you talked a little bit, both talked a, bit, a little bit about how you got to where we are here today. But, you know, I just seem to want to let you talk about kind of how what what was hard about getting becoming a lawyer for for you both. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, where to start, right? <laughs> where to start right No, No, Um, I mean, I've I've always wanted to become a lawyer. I mean, I'm first generation. Um, it's funny. I recently had a, a class reunion with my my uh, middle school graduating class and they and they pulled up the yearbook and they said, wow, Jessica's the only person that became what she said she was going to be. And I did say I was going to become a lawyer. <laughs> wow. So I would say that the biggest challenges have been more so, I think when you're in law school, you take different classes. You're not really sure where you want to, you know, where you may want to focus on. That's when internships are key. I think that having some type of um, sounding board, whether it be the career development office or just a, a more experienced attorney that just to help have these discussions with you and help you kind of plan out your internships and perhaps your clinics and your your summer positions, you know, they all, they all line you up for the, for, you know, for the next step. And that's key. Secondly, once you start practicing similarly, again, I think it's really important to try to have an idea of perhaps what you may want to do. I think you need to be open to different experiences, but you also need to be a sponge. And I think that probably one of the most positive aspects is trying to do as much work as you can for different people and learn from different people. Um, and when I say different people, I mean, different areas, different practice group, different divisions, however, however it is your organization is set up. And, um, and even if you're maybe in one particular division and you don't really work with another, maybe volunteer for something and, and try to get an idea of what it is that you're looking for. I will say that, um, you know, in the public sector, it was hard sometimes to work in different bureaus, let's say, because, you know, you, you were, you know, they're usually generally a little bit under resource and under staff. So it was kind of hard to, you know, volunteer time to some, to something else. Um, but if to the extent that you can, I think that's ideal. And I think in private practice, similarly, if you can work with another group or other um, partners or just, you know, get to know different people, I think that's all really positive and will help you. I feel like it helped me just be a better, a well-rounded attorney, a better attorney, mm-hmm. and just cognizant of just different areas of law that I think ultimately we will call, we'll call upon at some point throughout our careers, um, in handling different matters. You know, you take all this little pieces of knowledge and, you know, you use it all for the the best, you know, representation of your client. Interesting. Yeah, that's very good. Christine, I know that you're newer to, to the profession, but you have a, quite a story of your own, you know, in terms of what it took to become a lawyer, what has been your perspective about what's helped make a difference for you? Well, uh, I worked as a litigation paralegal for several years before deciding to go to law school. And I had my graduate degrees in forensic science and criminal justice. Um, I had focused on that and that had give, given me, you know, specialized knowledge that I use you know, now in my you know, litigation um, casework. Um, for me, one of the challenges as a non-traditional law student, um, having, you know, children, and having to balance um, family life, work, work life, and and law school, um, but I was fortunate to have um, you know the support at Harris Beach here, um, all all the way from you know applying to law school through um, sitting for the for the bar and and you know passing on the first uh, attempt, um, which was you know difficult to balance studying um, while I had, you know, two young children. And so I I think that 
firms could also open up that there's a lot of talent um, non-traditional non-traditional students have to offer and a lot of non-traditional law students are afraid to take that that leap and that jump and um, I think there could be more you know generally that to open up the idea that it's still possible even though it's seemingly um, a challenge <laughs> it's something that it, it might be a challenge but it could be overcome you know, I think that's a that's might be a great message to um, to end on. I think both because you could sort of apply that to both the profession itself, take a chance, and people who are you know maybe coming from non traditional backgrounds take a chance too. But uh, but before we close, uh, anything else either of you would like to like to offer uh, uh, about uh, your experiences at the conference or um, with the profession at all? I would just say I just think it's wonderful. I know when I first uh, started. Um, you know, when I was first in private practice many years ago, you know, I, I was the only minority attorney in the office. And it's just, you know, over, you know, this, it's been some years, but it's great to see how the diversity, it's really apparent. It's more apparent. It's wonderful to see those strides. Um, you know, it's wonderful to see firms and organizations committed to diversity and inclusion and are taking um, efforts in their, in, their, in their recruitment and the retention of diverse attorneys. Um, it's wonderful to see the progression. Great, terrific. Christine, any last words from you? Just wanna second what Jessica said, definitely um, it, makes a, it makes a difference and it gives attorneys the confidence to you know, reach their goals or even have a goal because they can see themselves um, attaining it when you see representation in the field. Wonderful. Well, thank you both for being with us and thank you everybody for listening. Um, for more information on uh, Jessica and, and Christine and Harris Beach and their respective practice areas, please visit harrisbeach.com. Thanks for listening to the Harris Beach podcast. Be sure to visit harrisbeach.com to join the conversation and access show notes. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast.